Join Edwin Frondozo on the Business Leadership Podcast every week for a unique program featuring insights and actionable items from the world's most successful business leaders. Hear firsthand the exclusive interviews and personal journeys on how today's transformational leaders made it to the top. Think lightly of yourself and deeply of the world. To me, the way I interpret that and I've thought about it for years is that it's not about me. It's about the people around you, right? Some very insightful thoughts on growing teams and organizations from the conversation I had with Roham Fard. Hey, how's it going today? I am Edwin Frondozo, and thank you for joining me on the Business Leadership Podcast. This is episode number 51, and I'm excited to share the conversation that I had with him. Roham is currently the founder and CEO of psychologycompass.com. It's a place where entrepreneurs learn scientific tactics to reach their peak mental performance. Previously, he founded theredpin.com and he helped it get to one of Canada's 50 fastest growing tech startups, raising tens of millions of dollars in investments and getting the team from zero to 150 plus strong in under 10 years. Roham shares how to overcome the biggest challenges in business while growing and scaling a company. He talks about where leaders should keep their focus on and what it means to live in debug mode. Today's episode was sponsored by Slingshot VoIP, a leader in business voice AI technologies that help companies understand what the customers are saying when they are calling in. Here we go. Welcome to the Business Leadership Podcast, Roham. Thank you for having me today. Well, why don't we why don't we start off by introducing yourself, who who, who Roham is, um, what you like to do when you're not helping or even growing businesses yourself. Awesome. Well, uh, so my name is Roham, and uh, I'm a trained software engineer. I now turn entrepreneur, I guess. <laughs> um, what I like to do outside of entrepreneurship and business, my first and deepest passion would be philosophy. Okay. I read a lot and not to go too deep, but I think about the human condition a lot. That occupies my mind. And on the funner side, I play a lot of soccer. Okay. Soccer, football for those (laughs) listening in the other side of the world. Um, I know in North America, we call it soccer. No, that's great. And I know we're going to probably dig deeper in terms of the philosophy and and the human nature as well. So I'm really excited, really pumped on that. So why don't we actually just on that note, start off by telling us about Psychology Compass. Let us know what your what your role is in the in the company, and perhaps what are you trying to accomplish over the next, let's say, twelve months. Awesome, yeah. So PsychologyCompass.com is my new startup. Uh, my role is, I guess, founder and CEO. But uh, you wear a lot of hats at the early days. I'm lucky to have a fantastic team of PhDs whose job is to translate academic research into very tactical lessons for peak mental performance. And my role is generally around um, anything else that the business need usually translates into the technology and the platform development, marketing side of things, sales side. And what I can say for the next 12 months, so 2017, uh, we, we hit three big milestones, which is putting the team together, building our MVP, and getting the company post-revenue. 2018, which is the next 12 months for me, is uh, we're trying to focus on 
building the more f- full-fledged product, so beyond the MVP, we really want to focus on getting the word out, so better marketing and getting more and more people aware of psychologycompass.com and, you know, get the predictable revenues to a point that we know we can sustain ourselves a lot healthier and invest more and more into the new ideas we're building around. Oh, that's very interesting. And one thing you didn't mention, actually, what is that MVP? What is Psychology Compass? And and why am I going to that site now? Good question. So Psychology Compass is comes from me scratching my own itch for the past six years while I built my previous company called TheRedPin.com. Um, and essentially, Psychology Compass is where entrepreneurs learn scientific tactics to reach their peak mental performance. And the way we do it, we look at academic research in psychology and neuroscience and biochemistry and turn them into very tactical to-dos where people can enhance their specific cognitive functions. So, for example, how do you overcome anxiety? How do you deal with self-doubt? How do you focus better, communicate better? And these are not only lessons that are backed by science, but we also have a quantifiable and measurable way to show people what their baselines are and quantifiably move the needle in these different cognitive functions for them. Let's move on from that because from my understanding, and you just did mention it um, before Psychology Compass, you you previously founded theredpin.com. I think it was one of Canada's 50th fastest growing tech companies. I mean, you raised tens of millions. You grew the team to greater than 150 strong. So looking back specifically, can you share with us some of the biggest challenges that you had to overcome while you're growing and, and scaling that company? Yeah, for sure. I mean, it was a amazing journey of all the ups and downs that you come across. And uh, I mean, there's a lot of challenges building a business to 150 strong taking it national raising tens of millions of dollars but one of the core one of the things that we kind of scrappled with for a lot was the redpin.com was essentially a service oriented business where we wanted to create a much better home buying and home selling experience and what i learned over the years is that it's very hard to measure experience Mm-hmm. So our objective was how do you create a consistent five-star experience? And it's very hard to define an amazing experience. So I always used to say, if you go to Ritz-Carlton, where everything is well thought out, every process, if you walk through the lobby, you go to your room, and everything is intact, but you see a little tiny stain on the towel, that can ruin the entire experience, True. right? So, but no one is going to put have this kind of towel in a list of to-dos, right? You can't have a checklist for a five-star experience. So it's very, and because experience is essentially delivered by people, it makes it even harder because human beings don't scale as well as computers do. Mm-hmm. So for us was about how do we measure five-star experiences and how do we consistently deliver that? That was one of our big challenges at the RedPin. So, so what, what did you guys find during this, uh, during this phase or, or what did you end up with? Um, yeah, so a couple of, we put a couple of metrics in there. Some of the key ones that are worth noting is that we offered our customers a cashback 
and we tied the cash back to them giving us a review. It didn't matter if it was a good or a bad review, but we just wanted them to give us a review because when you get a review from a customer, it's more wholesome. It's more mm-hmm. holistic across all the aspects of the service you delivered, right? So that was one of the more powerful levers we realized turning it on that um, allows us to provide that consistent five-star experience. There were several more, but this is just one that I can I share. Mean, that, and that's pretty big in terms of getting feedback um, from clients, like you mentioned. But was, was, was that monetary value a, a big game changer f- to get that feedback? No, the, the, they would get the monetary f- value right regardless if they give a one-star Okay. review for us. Yeah. But for us, we needed to have a feedback loop from all of our realtors that are on the road and we don't necessarily get to see their service they deliver, right? So it it's constantly creating that feedback loop with your customers in more authentic ways. Okay, great, great. And I know growing and I talked to many business leaders, entrepreneurs who, who grew and scaled from, I'm I'm assuming the one employee shop to to the 150 <laughs> strong. Were there any key turning points during that journey aside from product? I mean, specifically in terms of you as a as a business leader, that typically it comes out of a challenge that really helped you elevate yourself. Mm-hmm. I think that's a really good question, and you always look back to see where those key turning points are. To me, one quote kind of summarizes this turning point. And I'll elaborate what yeah. it means, but the quote is. Think lightly of yourself and deeply of the world. I like that. Where, to me, the way I interpret that and I've thought about it for years is that the turning point was, it's not about me. It's about the people around you, right? So when you remove the spotlight from you and think lightly of yourself and instead think deeply of the world, you start focusing on making decisions without necessarily taking into account the benefits it has for you personally, but whether it's for your peers, for your colleagues, or eventually for your customers, right? And I know it might sound cliche, but when you take that focus off, A, you relieve yourself of all the pressure that you put on yourself by definition as an entrepreneur, right? And two, you help tackle and make decisions that are better for the world and has a deeper impact on the world. So to me, that was a kind of a turning point in mentality and how I prioritize things and how I make decisions. Yeah, and, and it's funny, you, you mentioned cliche, and maybe it's obvious, you work with a number of entrepreneurs, I, I know, uh, through the DMZ as well. So how long did it take you to realize that um, aspect? I, I mean, I'm sure with the younger entrepreneurs, you're probably preaching this all day, but it still hasn't turned on in, the, in their head as well. So how long did that take for you? For me, it's, it was usually across, when we crossed the 2025 mark employee, where I realized how important the people are. Wow. And it's pretty much the, the impact you have is beyond your individual contribution where it's you and the co-founders. Sure. And it's now it's a, it's an army of people. So you, they need to bring their best selves out, right? So for me, it was a few years in when we crossed the right. 2025 mark. But that's when I started feeling it. And as we grew even more, I saw the it basically hit me harder and harder every time. 
So it was so that was more of a. It sounds to me, and correct me if I'm wrong, that was more introspect. You're realizing how, how could I improve, or did you have yourself, like someone, a business coach or a business advisor, kind of say, "Listen, this is. I know these are your challenges. Are you?" I, I, I wish I went the business coach route because uh, that would be a faster learning curve. But it was mainly through introspection. I have. Uh, I always joke. I'm a software engineer, which you share the sentiment, but I say we got to live in debug mode. And debug, but just for for the listeners who are not familiar with this software engineering term, is when you run a program and it doesn't do what you expect it to do, what you do, you run one instruction at a time, which is running the program in debug mode to find out where the bug is. And essentially for me is I got to run myself, my mind in a debug mode to see where my flaws are, where my thinking is in Correct, self-correct, so to say. I really love that. I love I, I love that uh, because I'm a computer engineer from trade as well. So it's amazing, and I've heard that before from technical leaders. So it's great that there's there's the shared sense of um, coming from your education to really mm-hmm. understand that introspect. Because a lot of people will look at technical founders or engineers that may not have that introspect or or that thing within their lives, but they just really have to just turn that over. And um, I guess. My last question, and you might have answered it already. If if you were to <laughs> to start the red pin again, what would you change now? So when I learned, and, and it's a good question you ask because I think about it a lot, is <clears throat> there's a concept in business called unit economics. And essentially it means if I sell a salt shaker, what is the unit economics of creating a salt shaker and marketing it and then how much revenues you get? So it's around your product. But I think the unit economics of a company are the individual people at the mm-hmm. company. So if you are able to really quantify your unit economics, which is how much effort you're putting in on the individual and what's their output, A, you're aware of your unit economics, but more importantly, you are able to move the needle and make each individual be their best version of their selves. So for me, if I were go, to go back at the red pin, I would focus a lot more on that unit economics to be able to quantifiably move the needle on the individual performance to bring their best version out of them. And to be honest, this is what Psychology Compass is all about, to bring the best version of individuals in these highly competitive, highly stressful environment. So what do you think? Lots of key insights from Roham, right? Well, I certainly thought so. So if you're enjoying this episode, please consider signing up to our monthly newsletter where I share our latest interviews, my thoughts, some events, special promotions, and exclusively find out who we have lined up. It's free. I won't spam you. Promise. Go to thebusinessleadership.com slash newsletter. Now let's get back to it. I just want to get your insights now that you are where you are. You're working with you know younger business leaders, entrepreneurs. Can you share with us what you're seeing or what are some of the things um, that challenge the business leaders today? Um, I think there's a there's a lot challenging business leaders today, to be honest. But but I think what um, business leaders should focus a lot more on is that at the end of the day 
it's the people in the company that build the company. It's not your necessarily idea. It's not about your market size. If you have the right people and you activate their peak version of themselves, they will steer the company towards the right direction. This could be through pivots. This could be through um, kind of sticking it through through the hard times. Like as long as people feel they're in a safe environment and people want their best version, they want to put their best version out there. They want to give back to the company. So I think those are the core challenges these days. No, that's great. And I really like... um the fact that or the description of, of activating their peak performance because people, A, they'll join a company for whatever the reason, sometimes the wrong reasons, but you'd like to think that they joined you for the right reasons, for the vision, the company. Um, and it, I guess what you're saying is how do you continually challenge yourself so that you're providing that peak performance? Were there some things from your previous life or things you're doing now that are really activating people around you? Um so for me, it's, uh, this is my theory is that, uh, thankfully to this date still, most decisions around the world are made by humans. So mm-hmm. machines haven't fully taken over. And I think humans make decisions based, the underlying reason is emotions. Sure. We, we all, we can all have reasons and empirical buildups. I'm a software engineer saying it, but, <laughs> but I do think deep down emotions drive this. So, the more leaders are aware of what these emotions are in their staff, in their peers, and the more they realize what environments brings the best version of the individual out, they, they have to cultivate and create those environments. And that's what I thrive to do is try to not only be introspective and find these emotions and thoughts in myself, but try to pay attention to other people and everyone responds to different environments. And my job is to create those environments that people become their best self. It's really interesting. And and what I'm going to ask you, it it really spans from when we first chatted before we got onto the podcast, when we were, when we were deciding what to do and it's kind of looped together with your current business, but I'm really interested in know, Rohan, what, like, what are some of the things that you are doing now that, that you're continu- that helps you continually grow now as the effective leader? So for me, it's, um, I've learned that, um, strategies, directions that you set, the goals that you set for the company, they're always going to change. So I never take it to heart that this was the plan and we have steered away from it. But what I focus on a lot, and I'm learning this more and more, and I come back to it, is at the end of the day, the company is built by the people within it, right? The core power is buried in those minds. We're all information workers by now, right? So Mm -hmm. it's pretty much the mental capacity we have, right? So it's about being able to create environments that people are more creative, people are more safe so they can echo their voice. People are given enough autonomy that they can bring new ideas that was never on the plan, so to say, mm-hmm. to, to, to feel confident to present a new plan altogether, right? So I think if you think the in, from inside out as opposed to say, here's an imposed upon strategy and everyone has to march to these orders, but build the strategy from within and listen to everyone else and bring their best version out, I think usually companies create much more longevity for themselves and therefore 
crack the nuts and grow big. Uh, Roham, you mentioned to me off air um, that the most important, and yet it's really ignored, part of leadership is is self-leadership. So can you explain what that means or, or what you're trying to get at to, to, to the people listening today? Yeah, of course. I, yeah, self-leadership, I know it's a little bit of an abstract term I've invented, but I'll try to explain it. Is For me, uh, when I think of leadership, it's essentially a good leader is someone who gravitates people towards themselves, right? So when I visualize um, a great leader, I usually see one person ahead of the pack where other people are gravitated towards him. In other words, I don't see the leader behind the pack pushing them and shoving them into a specific direction, right? And for you to be a good leader, it starts with, can you lead yourself first? Which to me, it translates on a daily basis. Do you have conviction around some core principles that when you wake up, you enable yourself to activate yourself and follow your own core vision and mission and values that you believe in? And we all have it. We all have a core belief. The problem is we live in such a noisy world that we are unable sometimes to find and discover our core beliefs. Like you ask a lot of people, what's your core passion? A lot of people have a hard time articulating that, but we all have it deep down, right? So when you find yours and you start acting upon it, believe it or not, whatever you have as a core passion, there are other people in the world who share that. Mm -hmm. And when they see you acting on it, they start believing in you because they resonate with those. And now you become a leader of others eventually. So it starts with the self. It starts with self, introspecting, and, and really understanding that. And, and, and I, mean, that, I mean, that's really interesting. And I'm, I feel like I'm always in this type of journey personally, how to, how to find that, how to, you know, doing self-development. And it's something why I really love this podcast where I get to learn from amazing business leaders, people who are you know, around the same wavelength and maybe I'm trying to get to. And, and I know people listening and I've talked to the listeners. This is where they're trying to get to. And they, and they really understand mm -hmm. this. So, you know, everyone's always turning to someone, a leadership inspiration. I know we talked about others before. But who do you turn to when you're looking for this leadership inspiration? Sure. Uh, I'm going to give you two names that, I think they never show up on the same list oh, really? uh, until okay. today. I, I like this. I like this. <laughs> so for me, um, my someone that I resonated with for the past maybe 15, 20 years is Albert Camus, who is a French philosopher from the 20th century. And I know he's not a business leader per se, but I think he has influenced hundreds of millions of people in the past few decades. Um, and the second person is Tim Ferriss. Um, and, and the reason those two people I... I resonate with and to me is it's not necessarily about the tactical things but whenever i immerse myself in their worldview in their activities in the way they see life i always notice the best version of me comes out i feel i have peace of mind i have calmness when i read Camus, when i see how he sees the chaotic world and the noisy world we live in and distills all of this noise and kind of stands on the core value that at the end of the day, being human is sufficient, right? And he has a very good quote around that. He says, I'm paraphrasing, he says, you don't need to be a great person. Sometimes being human is sufficient. 
I like that. Right. And so to me, it's, it almost relieves you of all the pressure you impose on yourself. And Tim Ferriss, he's more of a practical guy. Yeah. And to me, it's his unique and novel ways on kind of carving and building your own path which doesn't necessarily have to follow the pack. You don't necessarily have to follow a certain regimented rule set. And you can invent and redesign what he calls life design, basically, right? So he he embodies that and he comes up with very practical ways. So it it is it brings the best version of me being an entrepreneur and wanting to define my own path. Roham, fun question that I'd love to ask on the podcast. If I were to ask any of your team, your colleagues you know, present, past, or peers, what's the best leadership quality that, that you possess? What do you think they would say? I wouldn't be all want to know the answer to that yeah. question. <laughs> well, I, I, I don't know what they would say, but I sure hope they would say that when they're around me, they feel like they can bring out their best selves. I, to me, that's that's an accomplishment on its on its own. And I feel like when you are able to activate the best version of people, people just want to be around you more often people feel empowered so that's what i hope they say about me so i know you're doing a number of things it's very exciting where you are in the with your current company now um so what else i mean i don't know if i should be asking but do you have any other special projects initiatives or anything even fun that you that you want to share or share with us and because you're looking forward to it you know, it's funny you ask because what I find about myself and probably a lot of entrepreneurs, have, I have a lot of interests. Yeah. And I just always think how many interesting things am I missing out in this world? Because I'm just fascinated by a lot of things. And the sacrifice I had to make early on in my entrepreneurial days that in order for you to be able to get the business on its feet and grow it, you actually have to park some of these passions and you actually have to focus on the business so it's a little bit of an unfortunate thing but now with the red pins experience over the past decade i'm realizing you need to be a bit more wholesome and i'm trying to be more wholesome as a person that's kind of one of my objectives for kind of the theme for 2018 i like that which is you know, for me, being more wholesome is goes back to like, think lightly of yourself and deeply of the world. So which is, how can you truly have impact on the world by putting aside the benefits for you personally? Like the ego, the ego for yeah. sure, right? <laughs> and, you know, being able to enable other people, being able to be there for people. And I try to take proactive actions towards that. So for me, I, I get extremely energized when I'm in, around entrepreneurs. So I have intentionally embedded myself into a lot of startup communities where hopefully what I've learned can be passed on to them. And, you know, I make myself available. I help people um, go through the motions. I help to get them out of the rut sometimes that is a mental rut, so to say, that we feel like there's a dead end and nobody believes in us so, because I've been there and it's... It's not unique to them, let's be honest, right? So that's one of my core passions. I try to re-engage back to my philosophical side and read more of it. So, and, and, you know, and appreciate a lot more the human connections I have, because to me, a lot of people forget the people that are behind these businesses. 
and I and I try to connect on the individual basis more. I, I love that how it's just really you're really working on, and that's what you're excited about being wholesome for 2018. So Rohan, before we end, can you share some final thoughts, observations? Ideally, what I like to share on the podcast is actionable recommendations that you can share with, you know, the emerging business leaders or the entrepreneurs that are starting out there and who are listening today? I, I love that question because I think, uh, I mean, one thing that is driving the entire entrepreneurial world, and we all have heard it, is growth, optimizing for growth, and to a point that now it's growth at all costs. And I've been thinking about this paradigm for the past 10 years a different juncture of the journey. And I feel like that's a misguided advice. And to me, the alternative, which I'm opting in for, is optimizing for longevity instead of optimizing for growth. It might be obvious, but you are a, your business is alive if it's not dead. So the more you optimize for longevity, the more you're going to have your head above water. And none of the stuff we're doing as business people is rocket science per se here. And my thesis and the framework that I've seen work really well is that the people that are able to run more and more experiments are the ones who will figure this out. And in order for you to run more experiments, you just got to buy yourself longevity. And if you optimize for getting yourself more and more time, you will run more experiments, you will eventually figure it out versus growth at all costs. So that's kind of the big takeaway for me and I'm operating under these days. Oh man, I'm, I really love that. And I'm just thinking things that I'm working on and hopefully I'm running for longevity as well. So to close, can you please share us where we can find more information about you, your company, or anything else you'd like to share with, uh, with the community today? 100%. I mean, psychologycompass.com is probably the best place. My Email is my first name at psychologycompass.com. And I recommend if people are interested in reaching their peak mental performance to sign up on the homepage and you get weekly free lessons on a weekly basis that are bite-sized that help you kind of tap into that cognitive abilities that you have and improve them as you go forward. And everything is backed by science. So... Hopefully that's something I'm sure your audience cares a lot about. No, for sure. And we'll, we'll be sure to put all the links onto the episode homepage. So make sure you find on there, sign up to the newsletter. But Rohan, really thank you for your time and joining us on the Business Leadership Podcast. Oh, thank you very much for having me. That's it, folks. Thank you for joining me on the Business Leadership Podcast. This is episode 51 with Rohan Bard. If you want to learn more about Roham, psychologycompass.com, or any other thing we shared, please go to thebusinessleadership.com slash 051. Thank you to today's sponsor, Slingshot VoIP, a leader in business voice, AI technologies that help companies understand what the customers are saying as they're calling in. Shout out to my media sponsors, IT World Canada and Startup Canada for the ongoing support of the podcast. And if you have not done so yet, please subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Thank you again. Edwin signing off. Thank you for listening to the Business Leadership Podcast at thebusinessleadership.com. Okay.